Um, I'm excited. We are not doing the Freedom Series today because well, it's Palm Sunday. It's a holiday. Uh, I have my uh, t- at work today. Uh, my boss called a mandatory meeting. Uh, I have another job outside of here, and so uh, <laughs> Jesus called a mandatory meeting on Sunday. You know? No, anyways, my boss called a mandatory meeting, and I was like, right. I, I, I'm not going to be there. You know this, right? Like, I got this other thing I do on Sundays, and, and it's a holiday today. And so uh, today is Palm Sunday. I love Palm Sunday. Um, because of the praise, it reminds me of how mu- what I don't do when I worship. Uh, when I read about people in Scripture, the way they worshiped, and I read about the way that they worship and the things that I do in worship, uh, I realize that it's, it's not about the times, Right? It's, it's about us. Like, the way we approach God has changed. And, uh, man, I want to be the one that finds out that Jesus is Lord and he's coming. And I'm ripping down tree branches off the trees and throwing them on the ground and ripping my shirt off. And it might get crazy up in here today. You know, I'm just saying. I'm just, okay, keep it on, dude. All right, here we go. Uh, so uh, we're going to tune today to Mark chapter 11. Um, and I'm going to read several passages of scripture and Mark chapter 11. What did I do? Scotty, I may, yeah, I'm going to read this here. All right, here we go. Mark chapter 11. So I'm going to read this passage and then we're going to pray. You know, what's funny is um, I heard three different people today at separate times and separate events today praying for me for this message. <laughs> I'm thinking, man, I must really need prayer. Y'all are like really covering me today. Anyways, no, but I am excited because of the content of this message today. This sermon may be for you and it may be for someone else you know today, but I am, I do, this is a fun sermon for me today. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited. I'm not, I'm not like sweating normally today. I'm kind of enthusiastic. Uh, if you're new, I am always this weird. Um, <laughs> You know what, let me pray first because I feel like I'm going to get so excited when I read this that I'm going to get distracted and not pray. So let's pray real quick. Jesus, only you. Help me today. Amen. All right, cool. So uh, Mark chapter 11, I'm going to read verses 1 through like a lot. Uh, But I'm going to start off with 1 through 11, and uh, this is the story of Jesus and the triumphal entry. I'm going to give you some some back story really briefly. Uh, The triumphal entry is Jesus' first time that he's declaring to the people that he's the man. And so I don't know if you have read a lot of Scripture, but most often in Scripture, when Jesus actually ministers to someone, he oftentimes encourages them to stay quiet about what he just did and who he is when they figure it out. You're the, oh, and he's like, yeah, shh, just give a damn for a little bit. His ministry actually only lasted for three years, and so it could have gotten really quick, but the news definitely was spreading that Jesus was doing great things. Blind eyes were seeing, the deaf was hearing, the lame were walking, dead people were all of a sudden not dead anymore. Crazy things was happening, and Jesus would go and teach 
thousands of people and McDonald's didn't show up. Jesus just multiplied food. And I mean, like, it's always a big deal. Like, when we go to the Christmas parade every year, I get excited because I know Chick-fil-A's coming to hand out sandwiches, right? And I'm like, yeah, just don't eat. You know, they're coming. I know where they're coming. I know what corner they stand on. Uh, this is what went down when Jesus was teaching. People got excited. They were like, man, this guy is incredible. And at the triumphal entry was the day he kind of made the announcement. And so for thousands of years, uh, they, they wanted to see Jesus come. But what was so important was these people now were not necessarily slaves, but they were being ruled over uh, by Rome. And what this looked like was they were dreaming of the day again that they would be their own people, that uh, they were, wouldn't be overly taxed by some guy that was just being over-authoritative or, or that, that they would be able to get theirs, what they are owned. And so they dreamed of a day that they would be prosperous, that uh, they, they wouldn't be under someone else's tyranny and that they wouldn't have to live in fear anymore. And uh, I don't know what, it, what, it would, what you can imagine if there was a guy that just walked around with a big sword and huge muscles that looked like Will Doyle all the time and uh, he was just mean to everyone, you know. But, like, it would be terrible. And so these people dreamed of the day that they would be their own people and that their king would come back. And they would talk about this story over and over again with their families. One day, the king is going to come, and this is the day that it went down. And so everyone finally could say, hey, Jesus, he is Lord. He's coming. He's here. He's here. He's here. He's here. And it changes everything. Man. The triumphal entry. Mark chapter 11, verse 1. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and to Bethage and Bethany, the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples. And he said to them, go into the village opposite you, and as soon as you enter it, you'll find a colt tied, and, and which no one has ever sat on. Loosen it and, and bring it. And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this, just say, the Lord has need of it, and immediately he'll send it here. So they went on their way, and they found a colt tied outside, the, outside on the street, and when they loosed it, and some of, uh, who, but some of those who stood there said to them, what are you doing, loosening the colt? And they spoke, the disciples spoke to them and said, just as Jesus had commanded, and so they let them go. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes on it and sat on it. And many spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down leafy branches from trees and spread them have to turn the page on the road and then those who went before and those who followed cried out saying hosanna blessed is he who comes in the name of the lord blessed is the key is the kingdom of our father david that comes in the name of the lord hosanna hosanna in the highest and then jesus went into the into jerusalem and he went into the temple and so when he had looked around at the things as the hour had already been late he went out of Bethany with the twelve. Let me stop there. I, uh, I, my mind gets excited. I think about the image of uh, what it would look like from the donkey's perspective, right? Like all these awesome like tree branches. I know it's kind of sound weird, but I, I think of uh, not a hundred, but two, maybe three, maybe five hundred people gathering and kids getting in, overly enthusiastic, right? Like if adults are there getting excited and kids are definitely going to get worked up, and, uh, and so people are, are taking these trees because they, they want to honor Jesus in the way that he's holy, he's awesome, he's king, he's worthy to not even walk on the ground, and so they're 
putting these tree branches down, and they're taking, they're, they're running out of tree branches, and what do we got next? And they're ripping off their shirts, right? And they're laying them on the ground. And I just think this image would be so awesome from the, from the perspective of like, <clears throat> I, I think of like King Arthur and the knights when they would raise the swords, how like I would just get goosebumps on goosebumps, right? I mean, I don't know about you, but walking through that would be just awesome. And Jesus is walking in a scenario where people are just like, you are it. I think it's kind of funny how Jesus set the tone by not coming on like this awesome muscular horse like the centurions would have been riding on like that would display power, but he came on this like little donkey, you know, like, like this is kind of a weird look, King Jesus, like is there anything stronger that you can have that would display to the Romans that you are kind of a big deal, you know, <clears throat> no, nah, we got this, just give me a donkey. And, uh, and he's walking in, and people are just praising him and praising him. And I can imagine how people would come behind him as the crowds would move, and they would get behind him, and they're, and they're worshiping, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. You know, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he who comes in. And the chants and the shouts and the chants and the shouts. And I think about it like kind of like when LeBron James is playing in, in, at the land, right? Anyone else would watch? And the MVP, MVP. Like this is, this is the biggest MVP that's ever walked the face of the earth here. His name is Jesus, and people are figuring out it for the first time that he's come. <clears throat> How wonderful that worship would be. Mm. And he gets off the horse, and he walks around the town, and he's just looking, and he's he gets off the horse. He gets off the donkey, and he's walking around the town, and he's just looking. He doesn't say that he taught anything. He doesn't, he's just looking. And he goes into the temple and he looks around and he's observing. Man, this is it. This is my people. These are my peeps. And so what happens is Jesus, he leaves the temple and he goes back out of town to go to sleep. And the scripture would pick up right the next story in verse 12. I didn't ask Scotty to bring this out to you. but So what would happen is he wakes up in the morning and I don't know if Jesus just woke up on the wrong side of the bed or what happened. But he comes to this, he wakes up in the morning on his way to go to the temple, to church. And uh, many of you today got into a fight with your spouse on the way to work today, on the way to church today, you know. Or you're yelling at the kids like, shut up, we're going to church, you know. Get your clothes on, and I don't want to care. And I don't know if this is the same tone that Jesus had on his way to church today. Anyone else ever have these one of these experiences on your way to church? Maybe it's just me. Okay, that's why I choose to wake up before my kids do on Sundays so I can stay in the right mood, and I'm here before my kids even. I don't want to be yelling at anyone on the Sundays. Anyways, and so, uh, so Jesus, he wakes up, and he goes to get some food from the fig tree, and he finds out there's no figs on the fig tree. This is a terrible experience. This is like when you go to Krispy Kreme Donuts, and you find out there's no Krispy Kreme Donuts here today. This is a really bad experience. It's like if you go to McDonald's and you find out they're not serving french fries today. Then why am I here, you know? And so Jesus, he looks at this tree, and I don't know what happened, if he kind of just stubbed his toe in the morning or what, but the scripture says that he cursed the fig tree. And I don't, I don't know what that interaction was like. If it was comical for the disciples, like if he was really just in a bad mood, or if it was intentional, but I almost think... It was intentional based on what I read next. So the scripture says that he cursed the fig tree, and then he goes down into the temple. And in verse 15, he says, So they, they, they came to Jerusalem, and, Jeru and, and Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple. 
and who overturned tables uh, of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry um, any of these things into the temple. And he said, it, shall, it is written that my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves, he goes on to say. He's kind of in a bad mood. Now, we got to make sure that I set the tone for you here. What's happening? This is Holy Week. On Sunday, we took our shirts off our back and cut down tree branches because this guy was amazing. On Friday, we killed him. See how fickle people can be, you know? I don't know. I think of it like American Idol sometimes, you know? I watch an American Idol, and one week, I think this girl is the bomb diggity. And the next week, she comes out, and she just doesn't sing my song. And I think girl's terrible. Get her off the stage, right? And we, this is it's design of American Idol that we're, we, we're, they empower us to be critics, and that our opinion matters. You can, you can call in and vote today, and you can boot this person off the stage. And this is what's happening in Israel, except on a massive, bigger scale. People's opinions changed. And I think that they changed on Monday when Jesus, he's not on his horse anymore, and he goes into the temple, and he's really, really frustrated. And I think he got frustrated earlier in the morning when he woke up and went to the fig tree and realized, this is a lot like my people. This tree, I need something from you right now, and I'm coming to you, and I can't get what I need. Now, I've done a lot of good things for you. I've, I've, I've healed the blind eyes, I've, I've, the lame walk, the deaf hear, those that were hungry. I've, I've, I've put food in their bellies, those that had leprosy, and no one else would embrace them. I was there for them. Those that were, I, I've embraced the worst of the worst of the worst of the worst. Where are the people when I need them? And so I think it started right when he got off the donkey and he walked around and looking and he's looking at the temple and he sees, you know, maybe a lot of good things happen and I don't know, but I think the culture of the church, the temple, the church, um, maybe was different. I think it became such a place that became so common that his perspective kind of got frustrated with how common that place would have been. Think about it. From an entrepreneur standpoint, the temple was the best place to be if you were going to make money. If everyone had to go to the temple every day to say their prayers, then why wouldn't we want to set up shop right outside the temple, right? So there was a lot of good deals happening. I mean, people were like, oh, I was looking for this sweater everywhere. I'm so glad that I found it. You're such a good dude. Hey, how much do you want for it? Oh, that's a good deal. You know, the, Pete down the street, he's selling it for 25 This is a good deal. And they're, they're buying and they're exchanging. Oh, I needed some doves today. Oh, you know what else is really funny about what was going on in the temple? Not only were they buying and selling, people were, were coming to see each other from miles away. It was like, oh, Uncle Pete, they're doing the family reunion right there in the temple. I'm serious. This was, this was the place to be. And so what I think is funny is the Scripture says that he drove out cattle from the temple. I can't imagine if you can think of how crappy this place really was. You know, there is cattle walking around in the temple. Crappy, right? You're like, uh, yeah, this is a crappy place. Uh, can you imagine going to prayer and stepping in something on your way to go pray? Oh, man. Or worse, what if your kids step in it? You know, now you gotta, you got to get your hands all dirty and it's all nasty. And Jesus is like, you guys are missing the picture here. You've turned this place into a place that's social. You've turned this place into a place where you can profit. 
Some people are getting ripped off here. There's arguing, there's fighting, there's bickering. There's a, this whole thing is not right. Now, I actually don't know if, if it started when he was there on Sunday night at the temple or if he heard it in their praise Sunday morning. But I think about the church. I can't think about them. You may have seen it. Come on. Do all of us believe that the church's agenda has been right over the years? I mean, haven't a lot of people profited in the name of Jesus and had the, right, had the wrong motives and we've had entrepreneurs and, I mean, come on, some of us have turned church into a fashion experience, right, where it's, it's, it's really about what I'm driving and what I'm wearing and how great I am. And it's not about the Lord anymore. And I think what happened is the praises of the people, when they were crowning him king and they were saying, like, Lord, you're the one. I think what they were really saying is, you're the one that's going to make my life better. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Listen, honest to God, that's one of the reasons why I worship God, because he makes my life so much better. But there are moments in my life that I have found that Jesus also inconveniences me. And so I don't know what happens in your life, but when he comes to you, are you there for him? Or do you only worship when it benefits you? Like, a life of everything about my life is better because of Jesus. I am a better husband when I love God. Like when I am not loving God, I can tell you, I was talking to a friend the other day, and he was talking about how, how he's been reading the Bible, and every day that he reads the Bible, he is a, he's, his, him and his wife are getting along. And then there's a day where he doesn't read the Bible, and all of a sudden, him and his wife hate each other. And he's like, I don't know why I just don't read the Bible every day. It'd be good, you know? This is the truth. Like, when you, you we're, we're better to people when, when we're submissive to God. Because now all of a sudden your opinion isn't as big as you think it is. Like what's a better picture is that they understand love, not that you're right. And so I think what's happening here is Jesus is really kind of frustrated. And what happens is, is I, I, don't, I mean, I've done this before. I'm not doing it today. We've got new chairs, and so I'm really excited about it. But in the past, I've, I've taken chairs and like thrown them in church. I really love it. It's really fun, actually. But this is what Jesus is doing, and it's freaking people out. He's going into the temple, and it says that he's overturning tables that have doves on them and money. Can you imagine the chaos if there was a table here that had birds in cages and I overturned that and the birds went everywhere in this room? People would be freaking out. I'd be like there's a rat running through the church. You know, People would be trying to stand on their chairs. And if there's money going all over the floor, you know that we just created some chaos. Jesus pissed some people off that day. I'm not being cute. Like, Think about it. They crucified him. And he did it because he was upset because I think that the, what's wrong is that their anticipation of what he was going to do is that he was going to become the guy that delivered them and made their financial status and their, their, their home life better, like their perspective of what Jesus was going to do. And he didn't fit the mold, and so they didn't need him anymore. And I think about this with our church, even just right here at the Way Community Church, I can't fix anything else but like, if Jesus doesn't sign up to answer all your prayer re requests today, is he still the son of David? Is he, is he still the answer to your marriage, 
to your heart, to your finances, to your health, to your soul, to your sin? Like, is, is he the hope of the nations? And so I begin to think of, like, what was wrong? What did they have out of order? Why did Jesus come? Now, I can answer that in short really quickly. Um, oh, wait. This week, um, well, I'm pretty excited about this. Uh, if you would, uh, I'm a student of Jesus, right? Like, the only way that we are going to grow in Jesus, like, it's, I don't, I'm great that you know a lot and you're experienced at coming to church and things. The only way you continue to grow is if you continue to study. Ask anyone who's certified in electrici- as an electrician or AC or mechanics or anything, you have to keep studying. And so if you're going to love God, you're going to have to follow his word, not yours. Like your word isn't as big of a deal as Jesus is. And so this week in the scriptures on the app, uh, we've set aside a week's devotion for you guys. If you don't have the latest version, you may have to uninstall your app and reinstall it. But um, on the app, uh, Scotty, can you show the video? What we've done is um, I've put some, no, yes, for the Seder dinner. Uh, I've put, no, no. Yep, anyways, there's a couple of them there. So on there, uh, under Bible, and I've done some devotions for you guys, and it'll have Monday through through Sunday, Sunday through Sunday. Every day of the week, we'll have a different devotion. And uh, on Friday, we are doing a Seder dinner, and I really want to make sure you guys understand this, that we're going to follow the life of Jesus. And on Friday, Jesus on Thursday, Jesus would have had Passover with his friends. We're going to celebrate Passover the same way Jesus would have except we're going to do it um, with food that's really be a little more modern to our culture. But I, I think that it would be really awesome. Lee, who um, was raised Jewish, um, found Christ. And his testimony and how he understands Christ is really necessary for us to encounter and learn. It will be here this Friday night. You can sign up on the app. That would be awesome. But this week, follow along in Scripture of what Jesus is doing on his journey to the cross through Holy Week. Does that make sense to everyone? I kind of missed that clearly. Okay, cool. Lord Jesus, help me to understand what you're trying to say today. Help us to understand what you're trying to say today. Amen. I know that other people see Palm Sunday differently, but I can't get past the reality that they killed him five days later. And it just makes me think like that their understanding of who he was was completely wrong. And I watch how many people today, her marriages are, are going, people are going through divorce and they somehow believe that it's God's will for their life. And I think that our perspective of what we think Jesus wants to do in our life may actually be different than what he wants. And I think that it's so important that we become students of Jesus. Did I say that right? Because I, I, no one followed me on that. Okay. Thank you. So I was looking in scripture, Jesus, why did you actually come? And here's what I came up. I just took six. There's actually, I I looked all over online, and I I found about 25 of them online. But I'm going to give you seven reasons why Jesus came from his mouth, not mine. Number one, John chapter 9, verse 39, Jesus said this. For judgment I came into this world, that they which see not might see. And that they which see might be made blind. I think about that verse and I think it's a direct trend. Like it is alive in Palm Sunday. What do I mean by that? People that didn't think that they needed him for who he was will never see. 
There are so many religious folks that will be blind to the day they die. They are stuck in their own ways and in their own perspectives, and they're not open to being vulnerable to what God wants to do in their life. It is, it is religion. It is about, I will, I will do it my way, I will do it my way, I will do it my way. It is not about, I will do it Jesus' way. And they're not open to change. They're not open to discussion. They're as blind as they can be. But what Jesus is saying is the reason why I came into this world is that they that can't see, man, that I'd open their eyes. I don't know if you get that, but I think that there are people that are hungry for God and actually know that they're broken, and he is coming for them, and I'm so grateful to be one of them. I'm so grateful to know that I, you guys, I, I, I get excited when you guys say, like, Tim, you're awesome. You have it all together. You don't realize how much I don't have it all together. You know what I mean? Like, I am grateful to know that I am the blind guy that Jesus came to fix. And it is so necessary that we get this. Because I'm telling you, we can be religious in our approach and our understanding of what God wants to do. And we can be the people on Palm Sunday. Let me keep going. I think that this is really important you hear this. First, First Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. That Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners of whom I am chief of. The reason why Jesus came is to save sinners of whom I am chief of. The reason why Jesus came was for me. I am a sinner. I need Jesus. I need him to come. And I think the perspective of people today is that we're so just good at going to church that we forget the whole mission of this whole thing. These people found the temple of God to be so daggone common that they forgot the reason why the temple was there to begin with. It wasn't there for trade. It wasn't just there to fellowship. It wasn't just there for good times. It wasn't just there to sell and buy. It was there for us to find God. And I want to find him. Number three, Mark uh, chapter 2, verse 17. When Jesus heard it, he said unto them, They that are whole have no need of a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but to call the unrighteous. If that's not loud, I don't know what is. He's saying, this is the reason why I'm here. All of you guys that are healthy, you don't need me. I'm going out there to find the people that actually need me. Sign me up, Jack, because you don't know how jacked up I am. You know what I'm talking about? Like, I'm sick and I need a doctor. Ask my wife, she'll tell you, you know. Uh, and so if this is what Jesus is saying, this is the heart of God. We've got to connect to this. This is why he's coming. Number four, Luke 19, verse 10. I know that you know these things, but man, have we forgot. We can forget so quickly. And the fact that Jesus went into the house of God and took tables and threw them was a very eye-opening thing to everyone that was used to going to the temple. And I just want to make sure that I understand why he's at the temple today. Because he's looking for those who are sick. Number 10, number four. Um, Luke 19, verse 10. The Son of Man has come to seek and save that which is lost. I think that that's Im it's so important that we get this. This is me. This is me. I'm lost. I need a Savior. I don't know in your life if you've ever come up against a wall where you realize that you don't have the funds and you don't have the answers and you don't know how to get to where you... But 
when you find yourself in a category where you have need, you just met all the requirements of needing the whole reason why Jesus came. You're not strong enough, smart enough, or good enough to get through where you need to go. He came to seek and save the lost. Number five, Matthew uh, chapter 20, verse 28. Even the Son of Man came not to be ministered to, but to minister and to give his life as a ransom for many. He said, I didn't come to hear teachings. I came actually to serve. I love it when Gary comes every week and when Sean and Nicole come every week and when, when Lee comes and Scotty comes and they're like, hey, what can I do? I'm here. How can I help? This is the heart of God. Just two weeks ago, I, I made a statement to someone that the fire marshal was here and he didn't like a wall. I just said it to someone. And they broke into the church, ripped down our wall, and put up a new wall without me asking them to. Why? Because I'm here to serve. And I'm not, this is what I'm like, hmm. Jesus said that the Son of Man did not come to be ministered to. When he's saying this, he's not reclining at a table getting his foot rubbed by people, which he definitely could have. He was the King of Kings. No, no, I'm here to give. I'm here to serve. And to give my life as a ransom for many that need it. Number six, John chapter 12, verse 46, he says, I have come a light into the world that whoever believed in me would not abide in darkness. There's a lot of people living in a dark world right now. I don't know if you realize it. Sometimes we get stuck and we forget these things. But last night in Lakeland, hundreds of people cried themselves to sleep at night. Because of alcohol? Because of loneliness? Because their marriage is broken? Because they don't know how they're going to pay their bills? Because they're terrified and they don't know. They're living in darkness. And it would be so wonderful for them to know that the King of Kings is there with them, right by their side. That he'll never leave them nor forsake them. This is his mission. And I think a lot of people that were praising him on Palm Sunday thought that he was just going to make their life better. And when they found out that he wasn't only about making your life, like, hey, look, I'll make your life better, but we're going to change some things. They don't want them anymore. Can I, is, is there, can I, can I get a different card here? Like, is there any other, uh, can I return this thing that I bought for free? Number seven, John chapter 10, verse 10, he says, I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Hmm. Man. I don't know if this makes sense, but for me, I want to approach God in a way that he has the room to speak to me and change. Because I believe that I'm, I'm wise, right? But I believe that I'm wise as a 36-year-old person is wise. Not someone that's been around from the dawn of time and has seen man rise and fall and rise and fall and rise and fall. And he knows infinitely more than I do. And I want him to speak to me about my life and what he thinks should be in what order. Now, I say all of that to say this. When he got to the temple and he saw people being about themselves, 
Some of them may have been praying. Some of them may have been doing some, some good things. But he saw mostly distraction. And it grieved him. Uh, I think about what is happening right now this week for us. Time out. All of that to say this. If the mission of Jesus was to come and seek and save the lost, we've got to be focused on something. If you guys have your Bibles or your phones, if you can just go to a chapter. I'm not, I've not asked Scotty to put any of this on the screen. I just want you to see a theme for a second. And so some of you, maybe you don't know who God is here. And maybe you're not very rehearsed with the Bible. And so I just want to give you a perspective. Jesus is God, okay? He is um, And so as he's walking on earth and he's teaching, he's trying to give us a window into what matters to God the most. Look at this. I think that this is totally rad and very uncomfortable for me as a Christian who's been a Christian for a long time. Um, this is Luke chapter 15. And I'm going the wrong direction. I'm almost done. That's not true. It's going to be at least another 15 minutes, but I'm, I'm getting to the, the, I'm heading towards the close, and it's, I'm excited about it. Jesus. Luke chapter 15, and uh, so what's happening here is there's three parables that Jesus is going to tell in this chapter, and all of them have one theme. Listen to this. You've got to know the heart of God. He, the first parable, he's going to talk about sheep. And he's saying, hey, man, I have a hundred sheep, a hundred of them. Let's say that there's close to a hundred people in this room today. One person didn't make it to church today. You know where Jesus' heart is? He's worried about the person that didn't make it to church today. He's worried about the person who didn't make it to church today. Now, most of us that are here... We're just chilling. We're about ourselves. There's nothing wrong with that. God loves his sons and daughters. He loves them. He's worried about the one that got away. And what he said is, his word's not mine. He said, I would rather leave all 99 in a safe pasture, but I'm going to go look for the one that's lost. I'm going to go look for the one that's lost. I'm going to go look for the one that's lost. And then the very next passage, because he doesn't want to move on. I love this. I love when Jesus says the same thing multiple times, because what he's saying is, I know you guys are dumb. I know that you guys are so thick-headed, you're not actually hearing what I'm saying. Let me say it again in a different way. You understand it. He's, hey, look, there's, a, there's this guy who's got uh, 10 coins. They're really expensive coins. 10 of them. They got, they got, each coin is worth $10,000. He's got, what's $10,000 times 10? $100,000, right? He's got $100,000, and he loses $10,000. And he says, you know what that person would do that lost that $10,000? They'd be on their hands and knees looking for the one that got lost because it's so important to them. He's trying to find what's missing, what's missing, what's missing. There's another story here uh, called The Lost Son, and he says, hey, look, there's these two sons. They both grew up in the house of God, and uh, one walked away, and he got lost, and he, he lived a life of just carnal selfishness, 
And one day that kid came home. And daddy was so happy because his son came home. He was so happy. He took off his robe. He put it on his son. He says, you're mine. I'm so glad you're here. The kid was filled with shame. And he's like, dad, are you sure? No, son. I love you. You're mine. Here's a robe. Here's a ring. Hey, hey, someone go kill our awesome pig like we did the other day. Go butcher that thing. We need to have a feast. My son's home. I'm so excited. Let's start the music. Cue the band. Let's have a party. And his other son's like, hey, dude, this is kind of jacked up. Like, I've been here every day, all day. What about me? You know, what's funny is the end of the story actually starts talking about the righteous son who's concerned because, what about me, Dad? And his dad looks at him like, what about you? Listen, you don't get it. Everything I have is yours. Everything I have is yours. You can have my heart and anything in my kingdom every day. But there's something that is awesome about the fact that my son just came home. I wasn't going to tell this story. This is a rabbit trail, but it's a really cool story. I've told it once before here. There was a day where um, me and uh, my family, we went to Disney, and we went with, um, like, a few friends. And so we're walking around, and it's me and my three kids and a few friends and their kids. And so we're walking around Disney, and we're having fun, and we're all talking, and we're having a good time. And and uh, we're walking in, and, and uh, my son and my daughter, they see this uh, circus tent over, it's in Magic Kingdom. If you've ever been there, outside of Dumbo, there's this tent, and it's got all kinds of good, delicious cookies and stuff that they make inside, and the smell just comes outside. You could smell delicious chocolate, homemade right there. And uh, my kids are all getting all excited, and they go, can we go in? And we say yes. And so the kids, they get excited, like, come on, let's go. And they're running, and we're like, no, 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 no hold on. And so we walk inside. And uh, we, when we get to the door, I realize, where's Mia? And my wife goes, she was, and we go, well, Mia, Mia! And there's a lot of people, I don't know if you've ever been to Magic Kingdom, but it's the worst park in the world. <laughs> don't go there. And so um, we look, you know, real quick, Mia, and uh, hey, can you guys go here? Um, we're going to go out there, and we're looking outside, and all of a sudden, I don't see my daughter. I don't know if you understand. There's a, there's a panic that happens, and only parents know this. There's a fear that takes place because all of a sudden, in a second, you realize the feeling of what it's going to feel like to go home that day without your daughter. There's nothing else that matters. There is nothing else that matters in that moment. Someone can walk up to you and say, congratulations, sir, you just won $15 billion. And you'll kick them right in the junk because you don't want $15 billion. I'm not going home without my daughter. You don't understand, like my, my daughter is missing. I couldn't breathe. Absolute terror ripped over my body. About 20 minutes later, we realized that she was right there glued to the chocolate bar factory her face was up she was just looking at the chocolate she wouldn't listen to anyone she was just excited about chocolate but I understood in that moment what it meant to have a daughter missing Jesus came to seek that which is lost Scotty can you can you play that video did you know that out of 300 million people in the United States only 18% go to church 
that means that there are 240 million people without a place of worship. Have you ever wondered why so few people go to church? For some, they just don't want to. For others, they're afraid to. But for nearly half is because no one has invited them. Think about that. More than 110 million people in the U.S. are willing to visit church if it's with a friend. And that's a fact. In a recent survey, about 90% of people that started going to church were simply invited. So why are we so afraid to ask? Because we don't have all the answers. Because we might feel awkward. Because they might feel awkward. But what if? What if they find a place to belong? What if they meet a new community of friends? What if they discover God's grace for the first time? This Easter, let's take the risk. Let's invite someone who's been waiting for the opportunity to go to church, to be a part, to come alive. Um, Christine, would you come up here real quick? Oh, crap. She's going to go, oh, man, I can't. Yes, would you come? Uh, I'm going to try to make this uh, quick. We've got about 10 minutes before we have to close. And so, Christina, you text me this week. And uh, Christina often rebukes me. Uh, she rebukes me often, and I love it. Um, she's the kind of person that will tell you things how, how like it is. And so I was on the phone with her, and I don't know what we were texting each other. Will you take this microphone for a second? Um <laughs> And so um, she doesn't know. This wasn't planned. Uh, I, I planned it, but I didn't tell her I planned it. There's someone else I'm coming to next. But anyways, Christine, you said that um, something along the lines that we should take more credit for how awesome our church is and for what it's done to you and your family. Do you remember these? Can you maybe just take uh, a minute and a half to two minutes to tell people what our church means to you and your family? Yeah, I mean, let's just pretend that we're texting. Christina, what do you mean, like, this church has done a lot for you? Um, you got to lift your microphone. It's on podcast. <laughs> so I totally wouldn't have come to church today. <laughs> um, my husband and I only started attending church together, like, five years ago um, in Massachusetts before we moved down here. And when we moved, I <laughs> insisted um, that we find a church immediately because I was afraid if we didn't find a church soon that he would fall off and not want to come to church. So we tried like three or four churches, and Julia Zickerfoos, who used to come here, um, invited me to come and try this church because I just hadn't found one that was comfortable for us yet. But since we've come to this church, um, Spiritually, both of us have grown in different ways. Um, but one of the biggest ways is we started doing Bethany Christian services um, and taking in kids, <laughs> which is one of the hardest, most rewarding, difficult things you can possibly do. No doubt. But the love that it has brought to our family 
it's amazing. And it only could be through God that we're even able to do something like that because we don't have a lot of extra money. I'm a student. My son goes to a small Christian school that we pay tuition for. Um, we don't have a savings account. We just take in these kids and we do the best we can. We reach out when they come, but it's brought so much to us. When you get a call at 10 o'clock at night and they say, can you take these kids in? Because they have nowhere to go. Um, but you can bring a smile to their face, whether it's for three days or 24 hours or a week. Um, but my husband never would have done something like that years ago. Um, and he still cringes <laughs> sometimes because we've had some bad experiences. Um, but what it's brought to our life, it's been amazing to our son, to all of us, and just this church in general. We never would have done half of what we do now if it weren't for being here. Love you. You mean a lot to me. <laughs> Christina. Not Christine, sorry. Christine, Christine, Christine. Um, Keith and Jen, would you guys come real quick? I do this often. If you're new here, um, we just like hearing some stories. And so um, so these guys uh, started coming uh, maybe about a year ago and, and then um, came back again just recently. And um, God's been just recently, God's been doing some neat things in their life. And um, can you just tell us what this church means to you guys briefly? In the microphone. Okay. Uh, for, for me, it uh, it has saved me, and um, it was uh, Sean and, and Coco, and yes, I'm pointing to you guys. They uh, invited us going back to the video, um, so we came and um, we stopped coming for a while, and uh, ever since we've been coming back, we've uh, seen things change in our lives, and. Um, through God, um, I personally can say I've been saved. So. Um, I've always felt that whenever I come to church, you just feel different. You're, it's, it's like you're not lost, but you feel like you, know, you have guidance, you have reassurance in everything you do. When we stopped coming for a while, it felt like, it felt like everything was falling apart in our lives. You know, our marriage was on the rocks, and... We were both making bad choices that weren't good for our family, and it just seemed like every time we went to come to church on Sunday, something was stopping us, you know, I mean, whether the kids were sick or there's something always came up, and and then just one day, we both just like, we're going, no matter what happens, I don't care if their kids are running a fever with snot coming out of their nose, we are going to church, and ever since that day, it's like everything has changed, everything's got better. I don't feel alone anymore in my struggles. I feel like I have a, a bigger family. And Amen. Yeah. Thank you. Just real quick, um, I, this is kind of weird, and I didn't think about this, but if you, if you would just say this church made a big impact in your life, would you just stand up right now? First of all, you have to understand how humbling that is for me. And we love, 
Teresa and I love you guys. And, uh, you know, the nights that we pray and the burden that we carry and love in our hearts, I, I want you to know how much you mean to me. You guys can have a seat real quick. First of all, thank you. That's humbling. But I only ask you to stand for one reason. Not for me, but for everyone else to see that there are other people in your life that need to be here. Here's my close. I think Palm Sunday was weird because a lot of people felt like Jesus was going to do something great for them. But I think what bothered Jesus was that when he went to the temple, people were only there for themselves. And what I hear Jesus talking about in Scripture is that I came for a lot of other people that aren't here. Now, next week happens to be a really strange day. You may not realize it, but statistically, I've looked at some research, and 90% of salvations in America happen in churches now because a lot of people have a hard time sharing the gospel. So what they do is they bring their friends to a place where the gospel is being shared. Does that make sense? 90% of salvations today happen in America. And more than 70% of those salvations will happen next week, next Sunday. I made my first decision to serve Jesus on an Easter service 19 years ago. And I wonder who in your life is in need of a Savior. I don't want my praise to be for my benefit. I want to be for the Lord's and for them. There's a world that's dying out there, and I don't want to live a life that would be about what God can give me, but what God can give a whole lot of people. And at my biggest prayer that I pray probably daily is, God, do in them what you've done in me. Do in them what you've done in me. Do in them what you've done in me. And so I would ask you right now to maybe close your eyes for me. Next Sunday, we're having two services because we believe that every empty seat in this church will be a crime if it's not filled with a body. There may be someone in your life that you can beg to come. Bribe them with food or even pay them if you have to. But I think that it's necessary if that's what it takes to get someone to the cross, then you get them there. But I want to make sure that I do everything I can to rob people from going to hell. Fight them if you have to, but don't let them go in the wrong direction. And if this church can make that kind of impression on that this many people that's currently standing here, what kind of impression can it make on someone else? This may not be the church that they need to go to, I don't care where you take them. Honest to God. Access, heart of the Father, victory, church at the mall. Take them anywhere you want. Any, but get them to somewhere where the gospel is going to be preached and the Holy Spirit's going to move. Who? I'm asking God to give you a name right now. Who? God, put someone on my heart that's on your heart. You said that you didn't come for those that were healthy, but for those that were sick. Who? Who needs this in my life? Father, I pray for that name right now. I pray for that person because I can't reach them the way that they can reach them. And so I pray grace 
and favor on these individuals, on these sons and daughters, that you would be with them. Because eternal salvation is the only thing that matters in the world. Eternal salvation is the only thing that matters. What's on your heart, let it be on ours. Let us be about the lost sons and daughters next week. In Jesus' name, amen. So as you're following through Holy Week this week in your devotions, I think you're going to read about some of the tears that Jesus prayed as he sweat blood and tears, praying about how he, he was scared to go to the cross. But he, he had to go to the cross in order to win me. There was no other way that he could win someone as crazy and as dumb and as stubborn as me without doing what he did. And he's still trying to win me. I don't know about anyone else, but I'm so stubborn and I'm so prone to wonder. Um, so read with us this week. I think it will help you grow. Anytime you put, your, you put him first and you read and you study, it is a wonderful thing that happens in your spirit. It changes you because it makes you a student and not the leader. And I don't know if you realize this, but when we sign up to serve the Lord, it's not the Lord signing up to serve us. It's us signing up to serve the Lord. And this is how we find it out. We ask, speak to me, God. Teach me. And wonderful things happen. I'm so excited. Next week, we're having two services, 9 o'clock and 1030. It's only going to be an hour service. It's going to be a shorter service, uh, an hour and three hours shorter than normal. Uh, and so we're really excited about that. We've got some really neat things that we're doing in the service. I think it's going to be very interactive and very fun. And I'm just praying that we don't have any empty seats. We do need a couple people to serve tomorrow. So if you could see Brady or Lacey or Trey or Rachel or any of us and say, hey, I'm available for one service so I can attend the other, that's a huge win for us. Uh, we'll need parking people and coffee people and nose-picking people and all different kinds of people. We'll take any gifting. We'll use it. Um, but um, next week, there's going to be a lot of salvations. And some of you don't normally pray, but I can tell you, this is the heart of God. And I think we have a fantastic opportunity. This is my closing statement. We have a fantastic opportunity this week to do something for someone and touch their heart. You know, one thing I've learned, Dustin, my friend Dustin said this this last week. He said, um, there's some people in my life that I haven't liked my whole life, but they're good to my son, and now I love them. The one of the fastest ways to get God to move in your life is to do things that he loves, and he loves it when you care about his children. I'll tell you, you'll have a revival in your life. Some of you coming to church with a friend next week are going to be like, And uh, I can only, I can't explain it any better than that. So listen, I love you. I am praying all week that next week one person comes to know Jesus. And I think that'll be the coolest thing in the whole world. I love you guys. I'm so proud to be here. It's my favorite place to be in the whole world. You guys are fantastic. We'll see you next Sunday. No small groups this week. Friday night, we'll see you at the Seder dinner.